Previously, on Wild Endeavors. The Wayward Sons returned to the surface world after finding another of the legendary Crucius and putting an end to a herald of the King in Yellow. Considering their next move, the companions teleported across Aria to help an old friend. They arrived to find a city burning and the Eternal Watch sowing chaos. This is the story of the Wayward Sons, featuring Adam Rogers as the gnome rogue Malkin Kessel. Single-handedly, once again, Malcolm saves the <laughs> Nick Feely as the elven fighter Aramil Galadinel. I'm very passive-aggressively hanging back. Evan Chamberlain as the human cleric Elemin Corster. Full fucking circle! <laughs> Amy Josno as the dwarven barbarian Thorina Thunderhelm. But also, am I just, like, strong enough where I can be like, rah! Devin Salisbury as the elven wizard Varys Leodon. I, uh, I found a spell I forgot I had that would have helped a while ago. And I'm Thomas Marsetti, the GM and producer of These Are Wild Endeavors. Oh, you want me to roll it? Yeah, I'll let you roll it. Oh, Why do you make me do this? So you can't blame me. <laughs> but I want to. Oh, and now, episode 23. Ashes of Malmayor. Varys's magically summoned rain continues to fall, and a dozen or so buildings lie in smoldering ruins on the western edge of Valmayor. The wounded and a few dead are being tended to. It doesn't look like it from a distance, but this is a far better outcome than the town folk would have faced if not for the wayward sons. In the wake of the vicious fire, a mostly elven paramilitary group portaled into the area and have begun to help out. But despite all you've done, your true purpose here was to find and hopefully help your friend and fellow Cerulean son, Mikhail Savayer. If the fires are in control, I would lighten the rain. Even if, if they're pretty much all out, then I would like make it calm. And then I would also like to give a moderate to strong like, wind like to help clear any smell out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely do that. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know what the temperature's like, but I try to keep it, like, cool for any burn victims, you know? I don't want it to be mm-hmm. too hot. But... Yeah. Uh, so it is... Actually, um, it is the first of Dole Ara, which is basically the equivalent of July 1st. Based on where you are, it's probably, like, a... You know, 80 degree days, 60 degree nights kind of uh, locale. So. Not Florida. Not Florida. <laughs> not Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I'll just, I'll, I'll just make sure that the weather stays cool and calm. Okay. Can I uh, help set up like triage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, help set up triage, make sure people are going where they need to go. The worst are going to get attended to immediately by me personally if I have to and then um, when the worst is over I'll go through and heal up minor cuts and things like that mm-hmm. as you course. start to, to do that the elves that have come through they've they've already begun uh, have begun to like set up a tent like and they're bringing the injured to a tent some of the elves wearing light lavender robes are beginning to heal people trying to they're doing their kind of they're also doing their own sort of triage so they welcome you in to help with that. As, so as Element is doing that, like helping to heal some of the people who've been injured, what are the rest of you doing? Basically, night is falling as as we we speak on the the city, and the ash is being blown out of town by by Varus. Are there are they elves that I would recognize? Like, do I know anything about the light lavender robes? Oh, we're gonna add that too. Yeah, same. So Aramil, you know that there are a number of groups to the north of Sinishore, particularly within the Darkwood, these definitely seem to you like one of those groups of elves. Elemen, 
you notice that in addition to the lavender robes, like some of the elves that are running around in armor, they are wearing a dark brown armor that has veins of various uh, degrees of green running through them, almost like a marble. But you, as you get closer, you realize that it's actually made of wood, and the, the armor is in the style of plate. But it's leaner and uh, doesn't look as clunky. And where plate would like clatter and shift awkwardly as a person moves, this shifts with their bodies and seems almost to like bend organically. And each of those armored elves wear a, sh- a white sash wrapped around their waist, one end wrapped under and over, so it falls down to about their knee and displays a Celtic knot of laurel branches. It takes you a moment to, to remember where you recognize that from, but it's the symbol of Then's people. Oh. And so, Varys, you would know that the, the elven name for that particular kingdom is El Serial. I'll try to look for, a, like, a leader. Yeah, so you, you find one. There's a, a group of the, the armored elves um, that you come up to. As you do, he, he turns and, and gives you a nod and says, uh, May the stars shine upon our meeting. You hardly look like the type who need to be warned of danger, but this village and people are now under the protection of the Laurel Crown. I am Velathamir, first of the Oak Shield. I would ask what your business is in Malmayor. Velathamir, I am Aramil Galadnell of Sinishor. We are tracking some information here to Melmayor my, uh, as the member of the Cerulean Sons. He wipes a bit of rain from his mahogany brow. I see. Well, as you've no doubt noticed, uh, quite a catastrophe has befallen this town. Uh, I'm not sure this is the best time for strangers to be poking about. How long has this been going on? Our ambassador had arrived in town earlier this week. They informed us about an hour ago that there was some fighting that had broken out, and in the tumult, a prodigious fire had started. We came as quickly as we could. Yes, certainly we are. We're not looking to, uh, you know, um, exacerbate any any troubles that are going on here. We're certainly willing to be helpful, as long as maybe we can uh, get some of the information we seek in return. Do you know of any uh, Cerulean Sun's presence in this town? My people are still assessing the situation. Thus far, the wounded have been our priority. If Would I be able to speak with, with the ambassador who had been here previously? They have already been recalled. Well, w- would you mind if we stuck around? We could help treat the wounded. We can help rebuild as long as you would let us try to find our, uh, our friend who is here. I don't believe we are in a position to turn away those who are willing to help. I give him finger guns and a wink. <laughs> As things start to calm down a little bit in the the medical tent, and like the the worst of like the rush is is over, and the, the kind of the first wave of people getting to the limits of their healing power for the day, like they you know eventually the the other clerics like they need to rest before they can heal more people. As that lull kind of sweeps in, Elemen, you are approached by a, a few of the armored elves as well. And they very similarly, like, you know, what are, uh, what, what, what is your business here in Malmayor? Uh, come looking for a friend. I'm with the Cerulean Sons. I'm a scion of the Cerulean Sons. We had a, a member of our order here acting as arbiter for a dispute between the, the centaurs and ogres. Em and I were communicating via telepathic link, and before we were done with our conversation, he cut out and I saw an attack happen here that was about an hour or two ago. So we teleported here, saw what was going on, and intervened. The two guards glance at each other, and then the one who had taken the lead turns back and says, You say your friend was attacked just before the fire? I can only imagine before the fires, yes. You may be able to help us figure out what happened here. Would you and your companions be willing to wait here in town for a bit until one of the oak shields could speak with you? Well, I'm on a time schedule, so it must be quick. Do not fear. We are most eager to find out what happened here to make sure that the danger has truly passed. This fire was not natural. Uh, can I ask around to see where some of the inns are at in town? If there is only one? Sure. And you would remember from your last time visiting here, there are a significant number of like inns and hostels within Malmayor. 
because of where it's placed kind of in between the Everdark Woods, the Ebon Cross Mountains, and the Centauri Grasslands, travelers and traders among those three regions tend to meet up in this kind of crossroads town. So there are, there's a significant number of establishments like that. Well, I want to start, I want to just go in and start investigating uh, the nearest inn. Actually, how well do I know Mikhail? I think you all know each other pretty well. Like, you you rescued him from the, the Orcus yeah. prison. Yeah. You, know, you know, there would have been, like, some some time after in Valor Hold during, like, the celebration. You know, he stood up and spoke for you when you came back from the Feywild. Um, like, he was one of the few people who supported yeah. all of you. I want to try to cast Locate Objects on, like, like, on his cerulean lapel that he would wear. Yes. When you do that, you find that something is blocking you. Mm-hmm. Alright, well then I'm just going to have to go back to doing what I was going to do before. Uh, if I'm done healing people, I'm going to do that. Uh, I just want to go to the nearest inn and start looking for him. I, I mean, I would probably join Elman. My goal was to look for any, as like, you know, things were getting taken care of, like any traces of the uh, Eternal Watch soldiers running away and trying to see if I could track where they were going. I feel like I kind of have like a standing I go with Elman deal. Most of the people in the inn, like the common rooms of the inn, are there. They are very, very drunk. It's the people like that are like drinking, like, holy crap, did you know, can you believe we just survived this? I need one of you to who's gonna kinda like lead the investigation to roll investigation and one of you who wants to be kind of the main helper in that to roll as well. Alright, I'll, I'll I'll give Devin the investigation. He can do it. I could, I could be a helper too. Okay. I don't know. Alright, so uh, Varys and Malkin, go ahead and roll investigation. So, as you are moving around talking with people, and again, like it's a lot of people who are very interested in drinking or a lot of people have just gone home. Like, they're just exhausted, they're wiped out, they don't want to see anybody. The people who are out are very interested in getting drunk to either celebrate not being dead or to try to forget what just happened for a little bit. So it does take you a little while to like work through those people to start getting some decent answers. Tell me what is the breakthrough that you run into? I think it was maybe somebody set up with the day on their way back home, you know, talking about like all the crazy shit going down, mentioning it off and the strange looking fella in like the wearing a you know the cerulean symbol or something like that whether it was like not maybe in detail but just like mentioned it Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that like probably in an almost offhanded way they they notice like that you're wearing the cerulean sun's logo their symbol as well and they're you know they're like oh it's wearing one of those you got one too and so between what that person kind of spews out to you and the other pieces that you've put together, you find out that the kind of the consensus in, in the town is that this Cerulean Sun uh, guy came to town, was going to help, was going to try to help out with the centaurs and the ogres. He ventured up into the foothills of the Ebon Cross Mountains to go like talk to the ogres, supposedly came back to town with something and there was an altercation when he tried to go back to his inn. A number of people confronted him. They were described as, like, very natural kind of people. You know, clearly outsiders from the town, not very clean, uh, lots of, like, you know... They're described as kind of, like, stereotypical druids, basically. The altercation was out in the street, and so, like, when that started to draw attention, the druids left, and this guy went back into his inn. And then the next night, which is tonight some people heard another altercation inside the inn and then the inn burst into flames the the cerulean sun walked out of the fire from the inn as if it wasn't there and then shouted to the sky something like oral kalrash protect me and depending on the reports he either then perished in the fire or disappeared in his own burst of fire is that, that name familiar yeah is that name familiar to us not the name specifically, but you would recognize that it's almost certainly an August name. Uh, the August being, um, so mortals tend to want to categorize them as angels or demons, 
but they are all of a race known as the August. And so this name almost certainly belongs to a member of the August race. Okay. Uh, it wasn't this end. He said it was a different end, correct? Right. Uh, the the inn that was kind of like the the epicenter of this altercation is is basically gone, um, and that's like where the most intense fire was. That's where the the epicenter of the disaster that you just averted kind of was. But that that inn is gone. Is it completely gone? You can go check it out. I would like to go check it out. Yeah. Wisps of smoke still curl from the heap of ash that was the jaded magpie inn. A few studs remain in what were the outer walls of the building, but none of them are taller than Malkin. Ash from the building is spread out like a sunburst around it. You see some people are rummaging through other ruins nearby, but no one is paying much mind to this one. I, um, want to go poke around the ash. I want to see if there's anything out of the ordinary. I want to try to go and see if I can find anything that might look of interest. Anything stands out. You find bits and pieces of trinkets and probably money. A lot of melted lockets, re-solidified pools of glass, uh, a few heat-warped and useless weapons. Nothing that really surprises you if you've looked through a lot of burned-out buildings, which I know Element has. What about bodies? Yes, quite a few burnt husks. This was apparently a fairly popular inn. Is there anything that we can maybe, uh, like, investigating to see if the fire was started magically or...? Yeah. I'm studying the, the flows or, like, the weave of magic in the area. You can tell there's definitely, like, a major a major disturbance, a major amount of like arcane energy that rippled out from this inn. And so that almost certainly is what started the fire that burned down a big section of this town. Okay. And with, when we were talking to the gentleman about, you know, our friend, did he mention where those druids came from? They they didn't know. The best the, that the people could tell you is like they are not from Malmayor. They are not from town. I would like to go back to where we met Raphael at his blacksmith shop. Sure. That would that was my first guess of possibly looking for where he might have left whatever. Okay. The building is mostly untouched by the violence or the flames. Though it is empty of people, the tools and the smithing paraphernalia are like kind of scattered around like they were left where they are in a hurry. The main smithing area is a, a large, mostly open space. Three of the walls are basically shutters that span the entire opening and can be raised to let in air and to let passersby see what them, you know, see that the, they're working on things. It's kind of an advertising as a blacksmith. There is one door on the solid wall leading into a small house-like building attached to it. Can I, like, stealth up right up to the building? Mm-hmm. And then use blind sense? Yeah, you don't you don't sense anything in the area. There's there's really no sound. If if you're going like right up to the building, you don't hear anything inside either. Until you you do hear Varus walk behind you and knock on the door. <laughs> there there is no answer to your knock. If nobody's home there, but pick that lock, bro. Why don't you just try to open the door? We're going to stealth in every... We're going to be so fucking careful every other situation, and now all of a sudden you're like Mr. Obvious Guy. Like, oh, let's just walk up there. We're skeptical of every single thing we ever encounter, and now you're just like, why don't we just open the door? <laughs> we're in a city that was just in chaos. <laughs> Malkin tries to open the door. The door opens. <laughs> in the, the back office where Raphael took you, and showed you the dead bodies of the people you had asked about the Eternal Watch. Are they um, still there? The bodies are not still there. Okay. Um, this was about this was about six months ago for you. A long table dominates the the space. It was probably at one point like a dinner table that could fit like ten or so people, but a single chair is pulled up to the one side of it, like it is now a desk. 
and there are papers and some writing materials scattered across the surface. There is a door to the lap, I'm sorry, to the right uh, of where you're looking into the room right now, and a small footlocker in that same corner. We open the footlocker. It is locked. Can I pick the lock? Yeah, for a thief of your ability, it's no problem. I was going to offer just to smash the lock, but you know, that's fine too. Inside, you find the uh, equivalent coin to about 300 gold, uh, two flasks of oil, a bag of ball bearings, a potion of healing, and a spyglass. Do we do we actually want to take any of this stuff? Or Yes, we need the gold. Okay, because there's some potions in here and, and, and some other things. Yeah. Can I cast a quick detect magic? You can. See if there's anything magical about either some of the stuff in the footlocker or sneering. The the potion of healing gives a little bit of an aura of magic just because, you know, there's a little bit of magic to them. Yeah. You do get a sense of some magic in the next room. Can somebody be keeping watch while we're doing this? Because I feel like we're breaking and entering right now. Continuing to talk through the telepathic bond that we all share, mm-hmm. um, I would then signify that there is magic from beyond that door of some kind. Do I know what type? It's a it's illusion magic. Okay. Ferris like really wants to go in there. <laughs> but he yelled at me for being skeptical before, so I'm letting him take the lead. Yep. <laughs> I'm very passive aggressively hanging back. <laughs> and I'm giving him like I'm silent about it, but I'm giving him a very like passive aggressive like, well, go ahead gesture. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. <laughs> so Element opens the door to a room that was probably once the entire living space of the blacksmith who built this building. It has a fireplace for cooking and heating, a small table for meals. Probably at one point it had a chair for relaxing in a small bed. Uh, but now the room is dominated and cluttered by four sets of bunk beds. All of them seem like tussled like they you know they're not they're not made they look like somebody was in them recently and has left quickly the magic that Varys was detecting is coming from the center of the room uh there it looks like there's illusion magic hiding the seam of a trap door oh i'll signify to you specifically Aramo. there's a <laughs> trap door right there and I'm very skeptical about that trap door. <laughs> if you want to check it out. I'll give him a, a big thumbs up. Does anybody have anything that can, like, track somebody? Like, if if we know people were recently here, like, that can see footsteps or something? I don't mm. have no. no, I don't. Well, what the fuck good are you guys? <laughs> I mean, I'll leave. I've... <laughs> Can Digger do something like that? You want her to track where people have gone? Yeah. Go ahead and roll. So Diggy comes into, like, partially into that, the amulet room. And from there is able to kind of more directly, like, connect to your mind and kind of see through your eyes. And so she scans the area. And she says that she probably could track the footsteps but she is pretty sure that the people who were here most recently are dead oh that's nice all right and so and given that this was you are pretty sure this was a eternal watch safe house and you all did just kill a bunch of eternal watch um Whoops. this adds <laughs> <Whoops>. up <laughs> all right well i'm gonna relay that to the rest of the group Thank you, Karina. I say that was my only idea. What else you guys got? (laughs) Hey, Um, uh, Malkin, you want to check out that trap door? Yes, I do. I was going to say, can I check for traps in the trap door? You can. Knowing where it actually is, you're able to lift the, the door of it pretty easily. It seems like they were counting on just people not being able to see it as, as in terms of protecting it. Probably also also because they weren't counting on a lot of people, you know, being back here in this room. Um, inside the compartment, you find a small leather-bound book. 
a signet ring with the ivy circle that you've come to associate with the Eternal Watch. You find a small silver box uh, about the size of a, a matchbook or like a like a, a little box of matches. Um, there's a small circle of metal that spins on one side and a button on the other side. When you press the button, uh, a flame appears on the top of the box. When you spin the circle, it changes the color of the flame. You also find four scroll cases with scrolls in them. They give off a magic aura. When you put them on Omni to identify, uh, you discover that they are messaging scrolls. Um, Each one is paired to another scroll somewhere else. What is written in one scroll appears in the linked scroll, and what is written in the linked scroll appears in this scroll. None of these four are linked to the other, so they are linked to scrolls somewhere else in the world. Malkin writes, he gets a pen out and writes, new scroll, who dis? (laughs) (laughs) No. Nice. (laughs) I knew. I knew. As soon as you said, Malkin does, I was like, yep, I know exactly what he's going to do. When when you do that, you there's there's a couple moments uh, where nothing happens, and then all the ink on the scroll above it begins to disappear. Well, great. And so that scroll is is now blank except for new scroll who dis. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, hey, this this one's not working, and I just like. Roll it up. <laughs> put it in. It's not working. I'm done. <laughs> Can I look at the leather bone book? Don't write anything in it. <laughs> um, the book has clearly been curated from a number of documents and other books. Uh, the pages differ wildly in their age and even a slightly, you know, in their size. They've been rearranged, moved around. Even in some of them, like the, the ink has already begun to like turn brown with age where some of them look like they were penned not that long ago. The book is part journal recounting some daily activities and musings. And the other part seems to be more like a, an instructional manual. Just kind of skimming through, it becomes pretty quick, becomes clear pretty quickly that this was intended as a way to pass the torch, uh, to whoever took, apparently to whoever took Raphael's place, um, in the leadership of the Eternal Watch. The journal entries are not in chronological order. They are more like stuck together by topic area. So it will take a little while to piece all of it together, but you do start to, even just skimming through, get a picture of Raphael over the years. Uh, particularly over the past 10, as he really came into a larger role in the watch. In particular, you begin to see some of his struggles with what he was tasked with doing. For example, there's a fairly recent entry in which he talks about a group of mercenaries that had begun snooping around looking for the Eternal Watch. And he writes about his struggle and the eventual decision to kill all the people they talked to. And he goes on to write that he personally killed all those people um, because he couldn't stomach the idea of ordering somebody else to kill them. While he he does not ex- openly express remorse over it, he does talk about the way he made sure that their families were taken care of, that they were you know had money to continue living without those people in their lives. And he writes it more not out of like a trying to atone for anything he did, but more as like, again, instructional for someone who comes after him. The rest of the book taken with the scrolls that you have and like what writing is on there. There's a number of maps and coded messages and other like bits of information that are not, it's not clear what they are indicating just on their own. Like there's gonna it's gonna take some decoding to figure out what some of this is. You do discover two fairly interesting facets of the book. One is that there are some instructions for using the scrolls, those messaging scrolls, and that in in terms of using them to get reports and to report to other cells of Eternal Watch across Aria. 
the other one seems to be referencing... There's a section that references specifically operations across Aria and some of the reports and how those are are going. Based on what you know, you're able to kind of figure out that many of those reports correlate to the map you took from Dakin's uh, headquarters back in Rithrandir. What you make out from these fragmented bits is that the map from Dakin showed the most high-priority Eternal Watch targets. Most of the agents across Aria are just eyes and ears, just watching, listening, trying to keep people from becoming too curious about the Crucius or the Gesh or the Shroud. But these highlighted areas are locations of uh, additional effort in which, for example, many of them were targeted for efforts to undermine the ruling body of the city, uh, to cause anarchy, cripple the economy, and so on. And you're very much reminded of a certain duke who was killed in Arthamor that led to an upswing in violence and uh, burning of a significant portion of the city. So, without spending significant time to, like, break down some of the codes in the book and some of the other passages, you're not able to get a whole lot out of it. But going ahead, if you take at least a day to work on, like, breaking some of the coded messages, you'll be able to get some information out of the book. In particular, you think that you can get information out of five different areas. So, one is the known locations of the legendary Crucius. One is the larger Eternal Watch activities, as they are tied to Dakin's map. One would be kind of just more like a list of contacts of Eternal Watch agents in various cities. One would appear to be reports from the Gesh and the Guardian Islands that are maintaining the Shroud. And then there also appears to be a threat watch list of who the Eternal Watch are keeping basically the most wanted for the Eternal Watch and what they're doing to eliminate them. Are we on top of that most wanted list? <clears throat> um, it's in, it's encoded, but you would be very surprised if you were not. I just want to make sure I'm number one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to, at some point later, with the help of you know everybody else, kind of decode those books and mm-hmm. uh, is there, is there anything else in the scrolls that weren't deleted? Um, the three other scrolls seem to be reports from agents in uh, another location. So okay. once you start to decode stuff in the book, you'll be able to decode those reports. Is there any magic still left over in the lingering scroll that Malkin wrote in? Oh yeah, it's still magic. If um, anything that's written in that scroll will still come to this scroll, and anything you write in that scroll will go to that one, but... There appears, there appears to be some sort of fail-safe where they felt it was compromised, so they got rid of all those reports. Okay. What if we used it as a threat? Like, we have, you know, everything that you guys need, like, to set up a trap or a meeting or... Like, maybe that's I, something we could do down the road, but... Yeah, that's what my... my like, my don't even is. fake that it's them. Just say, like, look, yeah. we have this. Well, no, I don't want them to know. Because, like, if we can use this against them, it's basically like we have, like, the the enemy's walkie-talkie and we can, like, overhear what they're doing. Yeah, that's true. So, like, I w- I'd like to try to use it as much as we can to just kind of, like, skirt around them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. Can we kind of say that, like, we're just kind of constantly mon- monitoring them for messages instead of having to, like, say every, you know... Every time we go somewhere, oh, I want to check on those scrolls kind of thing. Yeah. I think, I think again, until you are able to break enough of the code to understand those reports, um, like, you, I'm not going to say, like, oh, there's a new report in there, but okay. know, once you once you can understand the, the coding, then, yeah, then I'll give you, like, a flow of information or pertinent information. Okay. okay. So I think we'll head out. Okay. So as you make your way out of the blacksmith shop, you find Velathamir with a couple other of the, the elven guard. He says, if you would, uh, please come with me. The, the Laurel Crown would like to speak with you. Very well. 
He then leads the way through the city and into the, the camp, which the elves are apparently very adept at putting up, as there's already a dozen tents in addition to the, like the medical, the, the large medical tent that has been set up. You are escorted to a one of the larger tents. It doesn't look all that different from the other ones. This tent is just a little bit different in that there's a ring of laurel around the entrance flap. Inside, there's an elegantly wrought wooden table, um, the kind that could hold large maps or host officers' meals, or could be the place to, con- to conduct just about any sort of business that a, that like a campaign would require. There are five chairs in the same style as the table, arrayed in like a half circle uh, on the front side of the table. The guards gesture you toward the chairs, and then they all leave the tent, leaving you all alone in this room. Varys, as you walk into the tent, your illusion spell, the one keeping you know your star skin hidden, uh, disappears. Yeah. It does not appear that any of the guards noticed, but you are now star-skinned. Well, this is a problem, guys. Is it? I don't know. What do you think about my current appearance right now walking around? Do you have a cloak or something we can, like, just throw on you? I mean, I'm pretty much covered. It's just, you know, every guy. This is all I got, guys. (laughs) I'm just saying, be prepared. We'll be fine. Uh, a few drift globes are hanging in the air in the middle of the tent, lighting the, the interior in a very soft but bright white glow. And so when a flap at the far side of the tent wall opens, you are able to see very clearly the figure that walks in. She walks around the table to stand in front of you. Her arms are crossed behind her back. She's wearing a lavender gown. The skirt's divided for riding golden laurel leaves wrap around the back of her head and stretch to just above her temples. At her hip swings a wicked-looking scimitar. And just for a moment, you see Then It's just a moment. It's the shape of her eyes, the curve of her cheekbones and her jaw. It looks just like Then, But then the moment passes, uh, broken by her fiery red hair, the white scar that travels from her brow to the opposite cheek right across the bridge of her nose. All of you but Varys recognize Kara Nilo. And she stops, looks you over, and smiles ruefully, clearly recognizing you as well. She smiles and then shakes her head. This is a surprise. The Wayward Sons and Varys Leotard. To what do I owe this honor? Do we know her? You're dead. Wait. <laughs> Perhaps not so much. Okay, pause. Hold on. Okay, so give us the backstory of what happened last time we saw her. The last time the Wayward Son saw her was in Arthamore, before your trip to the Fey Realm. So that would have been about three and a half years ago. At that time, you all interrupted her attempt to assassinate Duke Allard. She explained that she had to kill the Duke or the leader of the Silence would suspect her and probably kill her. Then sided with his sister and talked the rest of you into letting her go. We as the audience last saw her in Carsaro Vale. First fighting the Master and being killed. Then in the epilogue of the Shadows campaign, we saw her body in the care of an incorporation specialist. The folks who traffic in and sometimes made bodies, as even in spirit form, people could not leave Carsaro Vale. When you all met Eliab just recently in Brightmoon, he did tell you that he saw Then's sister get struck down. We were told you were killed. Don't believe everything you're told, especially not when it comes to me. Um, who, who are you? I had wondered if my old hatred for you would show on this face. Though you don't recognize me, I do hope you at least remember my name. Oh, Leandros Lubakar. Oh, shit. <laughs> she scans the rest of you, and looking at Alamon in particular, says, Don't worry. We are also Caranilo. So you're Leandros? We are. I kind of, like, 
very clearly like take a you know step back very like like very cautiously your trepidation is somewhat enjoyable but you have no need to worry I forgive you the theft of that little trinket for I am as much Leandros as I am Kara as I am Illis Glass or Zebulon or dozens of other names that likely mean nothing to you. Cool. Forgive us for our ignorance, but why are you here? And what is going on? Forget that. Why are we here? What do you want from us? <laughs> Direct. I like that. Make no mistake, my people are here to help the people of Malmayor. Our ambassador called for aid, and it behooves us to help wherever we can to keep peace in the region. Violence on the plains can very easily bleed into our woods. I, however, am personally here for the same reason I believe that you are. To find Calverlaith the Crucius wielded by Vendatus Farsight. Is it here? Don't be coy. I think we all know that your man took it when he fled. You mean Mikhail took it? That is the name my people have uncovered. That is the reason I wanted to talk to you before I went after him myself. What evidence do you have of this? If I had not already been close to tracking it down on my own, the amount of power it takes to level several city blocks with a single spell is something that would have caught my attention. Oh, shit. Okay. What do you mean? Again, (laughs) give my ignorance. I'm just a simple human. Something in this region has been causing significant disturbances. I'm told the statue at the edge of town is of a group of heroes who, just this past winter's light, had to put down a lich that had resurrected itself with ice and snow. Your man then reportedly went in the mountains, was gone for several days, and returned with an object he was very secretive of. We recovered memories of those who perished in the flames. Many people remember seeing the fire that ravaged this town spread from him. Well, did you happen to see our supposed man where he went, where he fled to, ran off wherever he went? At that, she she uncrosses her arms from behind her back and puts her hands on the table, like leaning back slightly onto it, uh, kind of a little bit more relaxed of a pose. When you do, you see that on her left arm, she's wearing a silver bracer. And all of you but Varys recognize it as the one that Than kept messing around with, trying to figure out its magic. Um, it's the one he found in the, the tomb of the Elder King. It's the one that was That's... on his severed arm following his disappearance under Acton Manor. I can't beat that one. I have that one. That's it. That's the opposite of it. That would not be a a, a large jump of logic, no. I do believe I know where he's gone. Where is he gone? I'm not sure I'm inclined to share. Maybe a trade. Her eyes flash with just a moment of excitement, and she says, I'm listening. And I reach into the bag of holding, and I pull out the opposite of that bracer, and slowly put it on the table. Her eyes get very wide at that. Where did you get that? From your dead brother. I'll do the thing where if I... When she tries to put her hair near it, I'll pull it away just a little bit. Yeah, I think her hand raises just kind of a little bit, almost uh, like unconsciously. And then when you start to pull back, she like she jerks her hand back. This bracer is all I have to remember then by. It would mean quite a deal to me to have its mate. Finn was my best friend. He was my brother. I didn't watch him die. 
but I felt it when I heard about it. I'll give you this bracer, but I need your cooperation. If you'd like to talk of claims, I dare say mine is a mite stronger than yours. Then rescued me from a dying world. He brought me here and showed me a new way to live. He was the only person in this world who cared for me. He dove headlong into the shadows to find me. He and I traveled the void together. He was my friend, my only friend. He was my brother, my father, my savior. Do not make me beg. I will not make you beg, because... And I also pull out the note, and that I do slide to her. And I say nothing. And I'm going to let her read it. This was Than's, if I die, please look after my sister letter? Okay. So she reads it, takes a few moments, and then slides the letter back to you and says, I'm not sure what you expect me to make of this. As Kara, I see only your failure to to honor my brother's last wish and protect me. As Landros, I see your failure in keeping my only friend alive. And as my true self, I see a multitude of ways in which you have failed the man who saved me. I'm not sure what you mean by this. I live with that weight every day. Again, I will give you this bracer, but I need this location. She extends a hand. I give it to her. I can arrange a portal for you to take you to where I believe Calverleith is now. What's more, as a sign of my appreciation to you for not making me beg for the bracer, when the time comes that you are going to do whatever it is you're intending to do with these Crucius, you have but to ask. And my lancers will fight for you. Wow, we don't have an army yet. As she's talking, she she takes the bracer from you and, and moves kind of sideways to the table, sticking a toe in one of the elaborate swirls of the table leg, bringing her thigh up like a table, so she can rest the bracer on it and and begin to fasten it. When she finishes clasping it to her arm. She raises both in front of her and looking at him kind of front and back. And then she smacks both of her wrists together twice in rapid succession. And the bracers begin to hum and glow with the golden light of the life song. As as they do, the your Crucius hum back, resonating with the bracers, uh, resonating with Terranel, the bracers of Altara Ralcaster. And you can feel as each of your Crucius grow a little bit stronger with the awakening of this one. Holy shit. We had that since day one. <laughs> Where did we originally get it? The, the very first adventure. The Tomb of the Elder King. So we just gave this Crucius to her, basically? Yep. Cool. In pursuit of another one. Gotcha. And we also got an army. Can I ask her why she's why she's pursuing the Crucius? Well, for the power. To what end? To ensure that I may live in peace. Is that Kara speaking, or is that Leandros asking for power? It is all of us. We are individuals only in so much as lightning and thunder are. Uh-huh. Enough fucking riddles. I... Who, who are you really? I suppose it does seem strange if you're not of the August. Let's try it this way. Though I am sure there's something before. My first memory is of being bound to a sword. I was named Daha Ko. I was imprisoned in the blade and carried to war. Oh, shit. When my wielder would strike someone down, I discovered I could gather their soul. I could save them by making them part of myself. Think of it like a field. Each blade of grass stands on its own. 
Yet no single blade is itself the grass. The grass is all of them together. I am the grass, and each soul I save becomes another blade in my field. As my world was about to end, what in this world is called the Battle of Hyrith, Theron Nilo appeared, slew my master, and brought me to this world. When Theron died, Kara found me as a sword. She was then killed by that same blade, and so I could save her. When the dark magics of that place brought Leandros back, I saved him as well. Again, by the magics of that place, I was able to transfer myself from the sword into a new body, one that had been made to look like Karanila. Thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> She hasn't given us a reason not to trust her. Clearly she came here to help aid the people here, so... Do you know if where you're taking us is to another plane, or is it on our plane? It is on this plane. Okay. We believe he's traveled to a tower in Hyrith Forest. It appears to be an old place of worship for a being that many in this world consider to be a goddess of the moon. I am prepared to open a portal there for you, since she looks at Varys. I assume your method of travel is limited by your familiarity with the place. No, but I, from reading reports, I think I know where you're taking us. How would you like us to contact you when, you know, the time comes? I could do it. She nods at Elliman. Are we supposed to just believe that our friend went broke bad, essentially? Like that, like just because people said that's what happened. Like, shouldn't we? Like, we previously knew this guy. Should we just like I trust that that happened? It's the only lead we have so far. We haven't been given a reason not to trust it. Okay, except for the fact that we know this person. No, no, Mikhail. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah, yeah. if he's part of this. I mean, the only, that's the reason we have to trust that or to not trust it is that we did, wouldn't think a Cerulean son would do that. Well, yeah, I meant like, should we, are we just supposed to believe that like one of our own order went rogue when that's not something we would normally, I don't, I don't, I don't think it, it was up to him. I think it might be whatever this thing is affecting him. That's what I was thinking also. Okay. All right. But I mean, let's just be careful about just like taking him out. Yes. If he's no. one of ours, we'll find out more when we meet up with him, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, we should go. Uh, we're ready right now. She nods and stands and turns towards the back of the tent where there is some open space behind the table. The bracers begin to glow brightly, that golden light of the life song, casting her in a bit of silhouette. She then turns back to you, and you see that the glow is no longer coming from the bracers, but from the outline of a door at the back of the tent. Through the door, we see the setting sun throw waves of crimson across the treetops. Before us is a clearing. The ground is scorched and covered in dead grass. Rising from the center of the clearing is a tower of black stone. It stands like an unholy blade, piercing the sky. All of you except for Varys recognize this place. At the top of this spire, you interrupted a demonic ceremony. Elamin was overwhelmed by the beast aspect of his lycanthropy. Therina came within an inch of dying at the claws of the beast. Aramil disappeared and lost several hours of memory and time. And Malkin and Then had to all but kill Elamin to stop his rampage. It is the Tower of the Silver Lady. And no matter how dark it is within your memories, it is far more ominous now.
and a figure ran out into the street and said, oh, hang on. Did he say that the beacon for lit and Gondor calls for aid? <laughs> he did not. Did he rush over very dramatically and say, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> Does anybody here speak abyssal? The the drunk they were talking to is like, I... The, the, the what? I was actually more referring to my companions, but... <laughs> I stand I stand by what I said. <laughs> no kidding. No pants. <laughs> I mean Thomas is just a floating head, so <laughs> he's like Modoc. Or yeah, he sits he sits so close that you can't see the Krang. I was thinking more like Krang, but Yeah, my camera's not, not like I can't Krang's not a floating head. He's like inside a big giant body, right? Well, right. Krang himself is just like a brain with arms, but then I he said, is typically he, like... He, he just like floated in his little tank in like the torso. Or yeah. Can I use blind sense? Uh-huh. To um, check and see if there's any hidden or invisible creatures within 10 feet of me? You are super aware of Thorina breathing through her mouth right now. Am not. <laughs> Inside, you find the uh, equivalent coin to about three hundred gold. In uh, you... I was gonna say, in the spirit of Joff, I say, "Hey guys, I found one hundred gold." <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I miss Joff. Thorina is like really breathing through her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you don't. You don't sense anybody other than than your your party members. Um, also, remember it's only ten feet of you, so it's not like. <laughs> yeah, Thomas. <laughs> oh, I'm saving that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fine, whatever. Adam's Adam's rolling a twenty on animal animal handling as we speak. <laughs> that looks like a happy cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we ruined it. <laughs> well, it wasn't meant to be that way. Come on. Oh, she bit me right when <laughs> that looks like a happy cat. <laughs> Oh man! See, that's one of those times where you did the thing where you actually made you made us the jokes may were for real. <laughs> yeah, he didn't like he didn't come with it pre on that. No, nope. he didn't come with it. Nope. Got it from a killing a carrion crawler. Gotcha. And then he stole the other one from Talios. <sighs> Wait. Okay, that something quite pulls into question as me for me, but I'll ask you later. As a as a player, go ahead and ask. Yeah. Huh? Go ahead and Wait, ask. Who, who's Talios? We got that. That was Talios was beyond the shroud. Mm-hmm. So these Crucius are beyond the shroud. At least this half of this one was. Ta- Wait, Talios isn't a champion. No, Talios is a like an island nation. Okay, okay. We that, really don't know who that person was that we stole it from. No, you have no idea where. You actually have no idea where she got the other bracer from. Um, you didn't ask. Right, her. I know that. I know that. Yeah, we as the characters don't, but I as the player do. You, you as a as the player know that you stole it from a storm warden of Talios. Full fucking circle. So is this the same sword that like killed all those people? She is that sword, yes. Or was the sword? I think as as you understand it, she was uh, a being trapped in a sword, and then as she gathered more like souls to her, 
she has somehow been able to extend she or they or you know has extended into the bot this body of Kara Nilo and now uses okay. that body. Gotcha. I'm thinking about the time I made up a sword that I picked up off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's it's coming to bite me in the ass. Um Adam's making that face where he's pretending to know what's going on. So so this sword and the being trapped within it came out of the Shadows campaign. Fairly early on, Leandros and Then were bopping around through an ether storm, and it was sending them to different times and places and, and entire like worlds and dimensions. And in one of them, they ended up at the Battle of Hyrith, but in a world in which the champions would fail and that world was going to end. They were attacked by a, a void creature, and they killed it and then jumped into the portal and were able to leave before the world ended. The next session, Devin was mentioning the sword he got, and I had no idea what he was talking about, but I just decided to play along with it, and we eventually figured out that he thought he'd picked up a sword while he was in the alternate dimension, and then I just decided to let him run with that because I thought it'd be interesting to have a potentially dangerous demon-infused blade in my narrative back pocket. Just in case we were ever in a situation where I needed something really bad to spring on the group and also wanted it to be connected to the story. So when this all goes bad, it is Devin's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I thought that Leandros and Kara woke up in different bodies. Yeah, what happened after that, though? That's very true. 